first reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, the end. In the small print Bible, you'll find this at the back of the Bible on page 234, and the large print Bible on page 1875. Since, therefore, the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For it is clear that he did not come <coughs> to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might be merciful, be a merciful and faithful high priest of the, in the service of God, to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. This is the word of the Lord. second reading can be found on page 63 in the back of the Pew Bibles and on page 1602 of the large print Bible, chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. Please stand for the Gospel. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the land, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and is to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, 
they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please sit down. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you so much for this glorious cameo, this glorious painted story from Luke's Gospel. And we ask that our hearts will be touched afresh by you as we hear it again. Amen. Well, it's just a glorious little story, isn't it? Um, Yet very, very deep and meaningful. Uh, and this coming together of five characters, including one tiny baby, two proud parents, and two elderly prophets. And let's just see what important truths that Luke wants to, wants us to see as he crafts his story. Now, we are Christians, I think, most of us, and when we become parents, we do the civic duty, we take our baby to, well, we don't take the baby actually, we go and register our baby, uh, and then we do our Christian duty and bring the baby for baptism. Uh, And of course, Mary and Joseph don't do any of that because they are good and pious Jews. And they have their firstborn son, and uh, as soon as he's eight days old, they take him to be circumcised, and they obediently follow the word of the angel to call him Jesus, and then they bring him to the temple. Uh, This is really partly because Mary needs to be made clean again. I'm afraid she's very dirty after giving birth. It's the ritual uncleanness of childbirth involving a lot of blood. So she needs her purification. That's 40 days for a boy, a different different time for a girl, but anyway, we won't go into that. Uh, And then... Um, at the same time, Jesus is offered for consecration to the Lord, a consecration being made holy to the Lord. Now, unlike little baby Samuel in the Old Testament, he's not left there uh, to be looked after. He, he is actually, they give a sacrifice um, in, in um, a sac- sacrificial offering so they can take him, take him home again. And Luke wants to show that Uh, Mary and Joseph are obedient to God's will. They are willing supporters of God's plan. And as Jesus' mission unfolds, that Jesus himself will operate within God's purposes, fulfilling God's law. Now, I know that there are times when Jesus seems to be going counter to the law when he eats on the Sabbath and he heals people on the Sabbath and and these sort of things. that, that don't worry about that. He is actually, in his being, fulfilling the law, but that's for another day. Uh, and as Mary and Joseph and Jesus carry out these rituals in the temper, temple, enter 
the primary witness to Jesus' identity. And those of you who are historians know how important the primary witness is. Uh, Luke is at pains to give Simeon an exemplary character reference uh, because he's seen, he is to be seen as a reliable witness. Uh, Simeon is righteous and devout and he meditates on and is waiting for Israel's deliverance from its oppressors. Rome, of course, at the moment, has been loads of others as well, and Israel's restoration under the peaceful and just reign of God. This is what people who were waiting for the Messiah with yearning, that's what they were expecting, that it would free Israel, Israel uh, and, and put Israel back under God's rule. And so he was waiting for that, and he's open to the Holy Spirit. Uh, he knows that something's about, momentous is about to happen, which m leads him to the temple at that particular time. Very important for us, you know, do we get any little niggles in our mind to go somewhere on God's purposes, or phone someone, or, uh, you know, go and visit someone? These are important things, but he is open to receive God's, God's message. Uh, and he also listens to God's word because he hears that he will not see death before he has seen the Lord's Messiah. He is a prophet, a spirit-filled prophet. And of course, this momentous meeting takes place in the temple, which is really important as well because the Jewish temple was the major place where God lived. He was always living in the temple, and then the kind of Jews of Jesus' day thought that somehow or another he had abandoned them, and they were looking for the Messiah to come back and bring God back, as it were, to the temple. The temple's very important in this story, the fact that they meet there. And there we have this meeting of Simeon and the baby Messiah. <coughs> And it's no coincidence, and nor is it God saying, da-da, two characters, they're going to meet. It is all to do with the obedience of the characters in the story. Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple to do the rituals in obedience, and Simeon and Anna listening to the word from God. And uh, Simeon is full of wonder at his spirit-filled recognition of the Lord's Messiah. I mean, who would expect that this great king to be a little tiny baby, um, only 40 days old? Uh, but he, he, he recognizes the baby, and he takes the baby in his arms. And I was kind of thinking about this. This baby didn't have any rubber nappies on. Uh, and I wondered if he felt that gorgeous little wet patch as he put his hand under the baby, you know? It's just so human, isn't it, that the old prophet, the elderly, grey-haired prophet, should take this tiny baby in his arms. And then he bursts into song. Well, we don't know whether he really sang, but those of us who are quite old will remember going to Evensong and singing the Nunc Dimittis. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. It's a beautiful, beautiful song of Simeon. Uh, he now can die in peace because he's seen 
God's agent of salvation. Uh, and this is really important. You know, John the Baptist was always going, there's the Lord, the Lamb of God. But here's Simeon going, here's the one. Here's the one here. And then Simeon picks up a common theme in Isaiah, which uh, was prophesied of old, that this salvation wasn't only for the glory of Israel, but for the Gentiles too. Uh, now, we don't know what Israel thought about that a lot, but uh, that's the truth of it. It's universal in its reach, salvation. The world will be led from the dominion of darkness into light for those that see it. And this is, in, in fact, especially important for Luke, the gospel writer, because he was a Gentile, so he must love this. Then Simeon gives a blessing to Mary, and I think we can all empathize with this. Um, his dear, dear old eyes would be very full of compassion as he looks at Mary and gives her child the prophecy, or gives her the prophecy about her child. Uh, this is the kind of sign that an ominous cloud will settle on Jesus' ministry. Not all Israelites, in fact, not nearly enough, will support God's Messiah. And there will be conflict, and that will affect Mary's soul, Mary's too. A sword will pierce your own soul too. This mother will have to watch her son being rejected and finally killed. And then Anna is added to the scene. Now, don't you just love Anna? How old is she? We're told she's 84 plus 7. Anyway, all of us slightly older people in the congregation can identify with Anna. She is the most amazing woman. She also is um, a reliable witness. She's the female equivalent of Simeon. Uh, and she has impeccable Israelite heritage, whoever Fanuel from the tribe of Asher may be. Uh, and she is also a prophet, open to the Holy Spirit. And she is pious. She more or less lives in the temple and prays, awaiting the redemption of Israel like Simeon. And she too recognizes this wondrous child as the savior. And so there, in the cameo, Luke invites us to absorb the truth about this baby as he's held up before us, literally and metaphorically, by Simeon, and in word and witness by Anna. And there's no fanfare of trumpets for this king, but a humble couple bringing him to God's house quietly to do their duty. A young girl who is totally surprised at having a child so soon and such a child. And Joseph, an amazed father, carrying out the pious and necessary rituals before God and trying to take in the wise and prophetic words from this old man and this old woman. And into this human scene, we bring ourselves. We can identify with these characters. 
and we can allow ourselves to be drawn into Jesus' story right from the manger to the empty tomb and beyond. And we can recognise our own part, our own role in God's plan. Now, in our family, as I look round at everybody here at St Mary's, uh, we have our Marys, and I would suggest that Marys don't have to be women. Marys are people who allow the seed of Jesus to take root in their womb of, the womb of their hearts. And then they give birth to Jesus out there in the world for the transformation of lives. Those are Marys. And I think we've got a whole bunch of Marys here. And then we've got our Josephs too, uh, obedient to God's purposes, not really understanding necessarily what it's all about, but doing what's necessary obediently, caring for this little family. The, this man is upright and righteous and loving and caring. And you don't have to be a man to be a Joseph. And then we have those who will be, some are probably, and there are some of us who will be our Simeons and our Annas. And you will be open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You will, you may have a gift of prophecy. And that isn't like the Old Testament prophecies. Da, da, da. It's more like God speaking words of encouragement and building up for this community here. Words that will really help this church to grow. And then words of knowledge too from God. Sometimes, some people have a picture when they pray uh, for someone else. It can be very encouraging. There is that here if we allow ourselves to be open to the Holy Spirit. And then right in the midst of us, I'm not quite sure where, is our Saviour. Because Jesus said, whenever two or three are gathered together, there am I, right in the midst of you. So Jesus is always here with us. And here we are, St. Mary's family, with Jesus in the midst. And then, as we hopefully live our lives of prayer, and Bible reading, and worship, and service, and fellowship, and we are open to the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, then if we're faithful and true, to the purposes of our Father, amazing, transformative things will happen. And I think a lot of us who've been in this congregation for a while, and a lot of us who've lived lives elsewhere and have come here, will say yes, when I'm true to God's purposes, then sometimes amazing, transformative things happen. An answer to a prayer someone you know, just giving them a helping hand to know God better, whatever. And uh, as, we, as we do this, we might be shown a new path for our lives. If we're open to God, God can tell us all sorts of things. You know, I understand there are one or two people in the congregation who are looking for new jobs. Um, well, a new path. Uh, there's something waiting. Uh, and I understand one or two people are trying to retire. I won't point to my husband here. Um, uh, 
that is also a new path. And what an important path that is for those of us who are, you know, getting a bit older. Uh, and then there might be a new vocation. Gosh, just imagine if we became a fellowship where vocations bubbled up. And I don't mean this sort of vocation necessarily. I mean vocation to be God's servant wherever. And it might be service. It might be leadership. Wow. Andrew was talking last week about concentrating a bit more on discipleship. Well, maybe, maybe that's you, a little a leader in embryo, a disciple in embryo, or already there, of course. Uh, and then we might recognize God working in the life of another and find that God gives us words of encouragement and perhaps that prophetic nudge. You know, go and, go and speak to someone. Uh, go and speak to that person. And who knows, it might help that person come closer to God. And we might receive a nudge from the Holy Spirit like Simeon did. That call to knock on someone's door or make a phone call that you hadn't really thought about before. He went to the temple and met the Messiah. Well, God can nudge us in all sorts of ways if we're open to the Holy Spirit. So let us obediently consecrate ourselves to God and encounter him in the temple of our hearts so that we might have a part to play in God's almighty mighty purposes. And I'd like us just to be quiet just for a minute while we go inward and ponder this. What might God be wanting us to achieve in, as part of his role? So let's, let's be silent just for a minute as we think of our own journey and our, the place where we're at. Thank you, Father, that we can be part of this little cameo this, these so important characters who teach us so much about you. Amen. Hold this place of prayer. Do you know what Helen got to the end of our first service this morning? And she said, I'm excited because I want a bit more of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I like to think of Helen as a bit of a spiritual weather vane around here. So if Helen's <laughs> excited by it, then that is the Lord speaking to us. So uh, I'm going to invite you out of your comfort zones. I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray, if that's comfortable to do so. And that's all we're going to do. Like, you know, sometimes we hear from God's Word, and Helen's just beautifully unpacked this story for us. And it just speaks to us. And sometimes we need to not wait until we get home or tomorrow morning when we're having a cup of coffee to think about it and pray about it. Sometimes we just need to do business with God right now. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So um, I'm going to ask Helen to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill this place. And then um, I've kind of just jotted down a few things that God was nudging me to share with us as Helen was speaking. So... You might want to hold your hands out in front of you if that's a helpful kind of bit of body language. It's, it's not magic. It just sort of says, here I am, Lord. But Helen, pray for us, please. Mm. Oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, come on this place yes. now, we pray, and fill us, each one of us, 
afresh. Come, Holy Spirit.